So we're going to talk about angels and demons this morning. And so just an a, a introduction to this topic. God is God. He is sovereign. He is a creator of everything, all wise, all knowing. And there, there's lots of people who tend to think that uh, Satan, demons, are sort of an oops. And uh, God didn't really, um, angels, they messed up. Now I've got to go into plan B. So God existed. Only the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are eternal. Everything else is created. So there was a point at which nothing existed except the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the plans were made. God does nothing impulsively. The plans were laid out for the future. And we were at the core of those plans. Everything revolves around us as far as God's purpose. And so he created the devil to do exactly what he's doing. The devil didn't decide on his own to do something that was outside of God's original plan. He is sovereign. He is in control. And so he wants us to grow, to become like him in character. That's what life is about. He wants us to be as much like him when we get to heaven as is possible. And he, know, he knew that with an adversary, we would grow. With something to struggle against, to win against, to fight against, we would grow. And also there is the a possibility that instead of growing, we would decline, we would lose. That's sort of the risk that God took in order to make us like himself. And so he is called the adversary. That's what he is. And uh, what he does was designed by God so that we would have something to fight against, to war against, to stand firm against in order to get strong and to become like him in character. So right up front, I need to say that. As we study about demons and angels, created beings, they were created by God to do his work. And uh, we're not dealing with something that's outside the sovereign uh, planning of God. So with that said in your notes, number one, there are almost 500 references in the Bible to angels and demons. And so if you're going to study the topic, that's a lot of verses to read. One of the cool things about electronics or um, you know, in the old days, I had a big uh, notebook, great big ring binder in it, and I uh, bought a Bible that was eight and a half by eleven, and uh, with holes in it. You could buy them back then, and I put it in this big notebook, and then I put blank pieces of lined paper in between. And so, as I would read and study, I would highlight with a color crayon, and then over the next page, I would. Uh, write a number corresponding to the verse, and I would write uh, uh, things that I observed, observations as I would read, commentaries, I would put information in there. So I had this big fact book with every other page written on, and then I'd add more pages as I'd write more stuff. But now, with my little bitty iPad, all I have to do is touch a word, a box opens up, and I can type infinite amount of notes and information, and then the next time I go through, I see the little mark that says there's a note, I push on the note, up pops everything I wrote from before, and I read, wow, that's cool, and then I write some more, and so every reference to angels and demons in the Bible, as I went through it and read about it and drew conclusions about it, I would write a note and put things in there, so much of this is information from that, try to make it a little bit more uh, logical in the sense of sequential, it makes sense. Number two, there are a lot of angels, zillions in fact, I don't know if that's a scientific number, but I used it a lot when I was a kid. In fact, zillions and zillions often came up. 
So you can see the number that they use, Revelations 5. I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. You know what myriads is? Zillions. Yeah, they just hadn't invented the word yet. Myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands. That means there was a lot of them. There were too many to really to count saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and power, uh, honor and glory and blessing. Daniel 7, 9, I kept looking until thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. You know, someday I'm going to see that scene when I get to heaven. A river of fire was flowing out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him. Myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat. The books were opened. Again, myriads of myriads. That's like zillions and zillions. That's a lot of angels. Number three, angels are God's servants who are doing much of his work on this earth at his command. They are his servants doing much of his work on this planet at his command. And I don't know if you remember the seen in the book of Genesis where Jacob was sleeping and he saw a dream. It was a ladder going from the earth to the heaven and angels were going up and coming down, going up and coming down, going up and coming down. They were coming down because they'd been given a job to do and they were going back because they finished the job and they were going to give a report and then they were going to get another job. And uh, that's what he saw. That's what they're doing. Uh, Psalms 103, Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word. Obeying the voice of his word, bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. And that's angels doing his will, doing his work. They're mighty in strength. Zechariah 1 9. Then I said, My Lord, what are these? The angel who was speaking with me said to me, I will show you what these are. And the man who was standing among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are those whom the Lord has sent to patrol the earth. The Lord has sent to patrol the earth, and so they are sent by the Lord. They are commissioned by him to do his work, and so they come and they say, reporting for duty, and he gives them a job to do, and off they go, and they do it, and then they come back, and I finished it, and they reporting for duty. They get another job, and off they go to do their work. Genesis twenty four forty. he said to me, the Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel will send his angel with you to make your journey successful and you will take a wife from my son from among my relatives and from my father's house. Um, so God's sending an angel to go before to do his work. Um, number four, it appears that there are regular gatherings around the throne and all the angels are present for the meetings. <clears throat> we have staff meetings here uh, first Thursday of each month and um, all the staff gather. Occasionally someone's missing because they have a dentist appointment or whatever, but generally it's expected that all, the whole staff will be there. And uh, otherwise, everybody's off doing their thing, uh, doing their various ministries. Revelation seven eleven. all the angels, all the myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands were standing around the throne. Now, most of the time, they're off doing their thing all over the earth. But occasionally, there's this heavenly business meeting. They all gather around the throne. And I don't know whether God's going to outline what's in the future, what the deal is on these regular business meetings that they have, uh, but they all gather around the throne periodically. Number five, angels are regularly worshiping God. With all the things that they do as God commissions them, sends them, gives them responsibility to do, 
one of the things they one of the things that they do when they're there is to worship him. Revelation 7:11 and all the angels, all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God. Worship God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. We have a song with those words that we sing. Um, sometimes people will say to me, you know, I like the teaching and preaching, but I don't go, the, the worship isn't my favorite thing to do. I said, well, you should, we're going to do a lot of it. When we get to heaven, it's going to be forever and ever and ever and ever. And uh, you should get where you enjoy it. He said, you know, the difference will be that when I get there, I'll be able to sing really well. <laughs> Maybe God's just going to give you the same voice that you have now. Uh, oh, that would be cruel. We'll see. I, I figure personally I'm going to be able to sing really well when I get there, and I'm also going to have a lot of hair. But that could just be wishful thinking. Maybe I'll be, this is balder, balder than when I get there. Maybe I'll be fat. I think I'm going to be skinny, but who knows. Revelations 5.11, I looked and I heard the voice of many angels, many angels around the throne, the living creatures, the elders, the number of them were myriads of myriads, thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Number six, angels have names. And we don't hear all the angels' names, just a couple, but enough to know that this is what God does. They have names and they talk to each other and he gives them Assignments based on the names that they have. Luke 1.19, the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel. Says that with a degree of, huh. This is who I am, Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you, to bring you this good news. And uh, so he introduces himself. I'm Gabriel. I know I've had met several people in my lifetime who had the name Gabriel named after an angel. Every Gabriel I've known weren't angels. They were closer to demons, but <laughs> I guess a mom can hope when she gives her, the, her son the name Gabriel. Daniel 12.1, now at that time, Michael, another angel, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people will arise. And Michael was the angel that was in charge of and is in charge of the nation of Israel. It appears as you study angels, we won't get into a lot of this detail, but that there's angels in charge of the various nations, there's angels in charge of the various cities. Uh, in fact, there seems to be angels in charge of the counties, the, the geographical as well as personal and assignments that they do. The same is whole, it holds true with demons. There'll be a time of distress. Let's see, now at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise and there will be a time of distress such as there has never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book, will be rescued. So by the way, a side point here. This is not in your notes. But some of you remember in Thessalonians where it says that that which now restrains the Antichrist will be taken out of the way and then he will begin to have free reign. Lots of people think that that's the Holy Spirit restraining. That which is restraining will be taken out of the way. I don't think it is personally. I think it's Michael. Uh, he is the one that's now restraining. And in fact, this passage says, Now at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise. And then there will be a time of distress, such as never occurred, uh, that the restraining force is the, are the angels of God. And it's clear that the angels are those which are battling and warring against the kingdom of darkness, against the demons. Um, and so... Uh, 
Michael be, will be removed and the Antichrist and the demons will begin to have free reign during the tribulation period to do much, uh, a lot of damage. Number seven, it appears as if angels eat food. When I use the word appears, there's a, one reference or a hint of a, a tool, so I'm not dogmatic about it. I just draw conclusions that it looks like this is the way it is. And so if you don't particularly like that point, that's no big deal. Uh, I like to get as much information as I can, and so I uh, draw uh, information from even things that might infer certain things to be true. Psalm 78, 25, man did eat the bread of angels. Speaking of manna. And so manna was called the bread or the food of angels. And so it appears that they eat. Number eight, angels have levels of power and rank. Those that are in charge of all of the nation, those that are less, those that are less, those that are less. And uh, Satan has duplicated God's plan, so he does the same thing with demons. There are those that are very powerful, less powerful, more authority, less authority. And so they have levels of power and rank. Revelations 10, I saw another strong angel. And so uh, strong angel meaning stronger than many of the others, coming down out of heaven, clothed with a cloud, and the rainbow was upon his head. His face was like the sun, his feet like pillars of fire, and he had in his hand a little book which was open, and he placed his right foot on the sea and his left on the land, and he cried out with a loud voice as when a lion roars, and when he cried out, the seven peals of thunder uttered their voices. That's a pretty big angel, and uh, his uh, inseam appears to be fairly long uh, in regards to where he's standing, and he has a impressive voice number nine when we die angels will escort us into heaven if you've read any near-death experience books people that have died and then come back to life and they describe some of those experiences sometimes what they describe as being if they're legitimate uh, as being as, uh, visions of Jesus or God probably is um, seeing an angel and the bright light that goes with that. Angels are most of the time described as being uh, clothed with light and being quite bright. Luke 16, 22, it came about that the poor man died and he was carried away by the angels, carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom and the rich man also died and was buried. Number 10, when we are raptured and meet the Lord in the air, it looks like angels will escort us there. So I like to visualize that. Uh, hearing a trumpet sound and a voice that says, come up here, and then my body will be changed in a moment, and twinkling in an eye, I'll get my new body that's skinny, lots of hair, and sings really well, and then I begin taking off, and, and we all start leaving. You know, if, if it happened right now, we all started lifting off, but there was a couple of people left behind. I mean, it sounds cruel, but I'd be tempted to say, see ya, maybe not. Uh, we take off. But it looks like when we do that, that all of a sudden we'll be able to see the angels. They're all around us all the time. And they'll go with us and um, sort of be the escorting army, as it were. Matthew 24, 31, And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet. They will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. Uh, sort of like a sheepdog gathering sheep together. Number 11, we have guardian angels who protect us from harm according to God's will. So we have angels assigned to us. Now, 
Some may have more than one. Uh, but if we're believers, the family of God, it appears like we all have angels given to us to be uh, our guardian angels. Hebrews 1.14, are they, speaking of angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent out? God is the one who sends, sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. That's me. To render service for the sake of uh, those who will inherit salvation. Daniel 6.22, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. The Daniel was in the lion's den and he was uh, good because the angel was taking the uh, lions on and they have not harmed me inasmuch as I was found innocent before him and also towards you O king I've committed no crime Psalms 91:11 for we for he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways they will bear you up in their hands lest you strike your foot against a stone this was a messianic prophecy concerning the messiah that this would be true of him in fact the devil quotes this to Jesus uh, as a, when he was tempting him. But what was written as a messianic prophecy was also written at the time, uh, God's uh, relationship with us. And so I believe this is also written about me. Uh, he will give his angels charge concerning me. And notice plural. Uh, I get more than one. To guard you, to protect you lest you strike your foot against the stone. doesn't mean you won't have problems, but you won't have anything that's outside of God's will. Matthew 4.11, Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him, to Jesus. And so everything that he went through, we go through. He lived a life like us, and so what he experienced, we can experience. What was available to him is available to us. And so many of those things that occurred to him were written because they're written for our instruction. And so the angels came to minister to Jesus, and I believe they do the same for me. I just don't see them. Exodus 23, 20, Behold, I'm going to send an angel before you to guard you along the way and to bring you into the place which I've prepared. Acts 27, 23, For this very night an angel of the Lord to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me. This is the Apostle Paul. And, uh, and he says, an angel stood before me and he declared to me, I'll protect you. Go preach the gospel. Number 12, it appears as if angels cause and control the weather and earthquakes. Wouldn't it be cool sometimes if you watch in the weather report on the, on the news on television that a, an angel would appear there as the, moving the clouds around instead of the weather person doing it. Matthew 28, 2, and behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled away the stone. So the connection there in the Greek language is that the earthquake and the angel basically was cause and effect. And probably what happened, I lived on Midway Island for almost two years. Um, my family did. My dad was stationed there. If you're familiar with Midway, it's way out of Battle of Midway. It's a, it was 600 acres. 300 acres were runway. Uh, and there was only about a dozen kids on the island, and it was where goonie birds lived, thousands and thousands and thousands of them, albatross. They'd go out to sea for two, three months at a time, and then when they'd come in the nest, they hadn't been on sea for a while, so when they would land, that's why they called them goonie birds, they'd hit the ground and just go with a thud and roll head over heels. It was the absolute funniest thing you ever saw in your life. But they were big birds, huge birds, and sometimes when they hit the ground, you can almost feel it. So I think this angel hadn't come down to earth for a while. 
And so when he lands coming down here to, to move the stone away, he just kind of hit with a thump, kaboom, and it was an earthquake everywhere. Just a thought. You know, I don't know if that's the reason for it or not. But a severe earthquake occurred. The angel descended from heaven, and he landed with a thud. We just call him the albatross angel, the goonie bird angel. Revelation 7, and this, and this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth so that no wind would blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God. He cried out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. And so the angels were controlling the weather uh, you know, occasionally I think I'm going to go fishing. My God, it'd be great if you'd have your angel kind of hold off the rain for a day. Probably wouldn't do it just for me, but 13 angels are very striking in appearance. If you see one, it isn't going to look like uh, Brandon. <laughs> Matthew 28.3, his appearance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow. <clears throat> Fourteen angels get very excited about our conversion into the family of God. They're doing God's service. They're doing His bidding. They're very much involved in our life, and they can see what's going on. Obviously, as you see various scenes about angels and earth, uh, Luke 15, 10, in the same way I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So they get pretty excited about people coming to Christ Number 15, angels can give us strength. Don't know how they do that. Luke twenty-two forty-one, and he withdrew Jesus from them about a stone's throw. He knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Again, what... Uh, Jesus is out, out, not outside our own experience. Everything he experienced, we experienced what we experienced, he did. Uh, he came and lived life exactly like we do. 16, much of what the world calls Mother Nature is probably angels prompting, hurting, and causing. We used to live on a, in a house out in Talbot, and it was up on a hill, and below the hill was the Ankeny Game Refuge. And we could see it. There was a front porch on the house that we lived in, and you could see when all the birds came in, uh, the geese and the ducks out in that field, and then they would leave again in the spring. And I, I would say to the kids now, you know, if you talk to people about that, they will say, Mother Nature, they kind of wired that way. Something prompts them to do this. But if we could see, and you remember the story of Elisha and Gehazi uh, when the enemy was surrounding the city, and uh, Elisha said, Open his eyes, Lord. And Gehazi's eyes opened, his eyes were opened, and he saw chariots of fire of angels all around them. It'd be cool to see them now, wouldn't it, to see angels? I remember one time I was in a rally in Atlanta, Georgia, in the um, stadium that the NBA basketball team, um, what's the NBA basketball team's name? Hawks? Uh, Plate. And we were in there, and it was just for pastors. It was a big rally all over the nation. It was when Promise Keepers were big and getting started, and all, all the pastors were invited to this big rally. And it was amazing. They, they had great preachers, and then we would sing, and you get a bunch of preachers all together, and most of them can sing really good. 
There's a few of them like me, but most things, I mean, it was just like, I thought it was like, and I was sitting up towards the top looking out over this whole thing with all these pastors from all over the nations that were singing and they were preaching about the unity of the church. And I looked and I said, Lord, this would be a perfect time for me to be able to see angels. I know they're everywhere in this auditorium, but I guess I'm going to have to wait to heaven to see mine because I didn't see them. But uh, I said to the kids, my kids that were living, I said, you know, we can't see them, but when they get ready to fly north, there's angels out there with a little stick. Okay, head, head north, guys. And so they just herded them off. And, uh, you know, you think that's sort of far-fetched. Yeah, who knows? Revelation 19, 17, I saw an angel standing in the sun. He cried out with a loud voice saying to all the birds which, were, which fly in mid-heaven, come assemble for the great supper of God. So the angel evidently said, okay, birds, come on. And it happened. 17, the angels of children, that is the angels that take care of children, have high priority clearance with God the Father. So your guardian angel goes up to God to get an assignment concerning you. And when he gets up there, there's a big line. Ah, they got to stand in line for a while. And so you're, it'd be a good thing if nothing bad happens while he's standing in line. Maybe there's multiple ones and they go up in shifts and stand in line and get assignments for you. Matthew 18.10, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that their angels in heaven continually behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. And so the angels of children appear to have, I mean, they, they get to cut in line and get assignments really quick. 18, angels sometimes masquerade as people in order to accomplish God's will and command. So we would teach this to our kids as they grew up, and occasionally we would pick up a hitchhiker, take them to wherever they were going, and the, Kids were in the car, and after we would drop them off, one of them would almost invariably say, Dad, 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 I think that was an angel. <laughs> say, why do you say that? I just have, I just, I think it was. I think it was. Hebrews 12, uh, 13, 2, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. And so they um, look like people and do God's will, and so you never know. I said something about... Brandon not looking like an angel. Maybe he is an angel. He's just masquerading. And we don't know it. Won't know it until we get to heaven. Would you tell me if you were? Okay. You're not? No? Okay. He says he's not. We don't have to worry about that one. So don't treat him any different than you've been treating him. <laughs> Genesis 19. Now two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in the gates of Sodom. When Lot saw, remember that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. And so they come, these two angels, and when Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. And he said, Now behold, my lords, please turn aside into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may arise early and go on your way. So what's Lot thinking? Is he thinking these dudes are angels? No, they're just a couple of travelers, and he's just practicing a good uh, hospitality. You can wash your feet, and then you can rise up, go on your journey. Uh, they said, however, no, but we shall spend the night in the square. Yet he urged them strongly so that they turned aside to him, entered his house, and he pre prepared a feast for them and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Uh, these are angels. They pretty much look like regular dudes. And you remember the rest of the story, how that all plays out, but they look like people. Nine, 19, God has often used angels to communicate his will to people. 
Acts 5, and they laid hands on the apostles, put them in a public jail. An angel of the Lord during the night opened the gates of the prison, taking them out. He said, go your way, stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. So I've never had that experience personally. Uh, it'd be cool if I did. Occasionally, periodically in history, they're recorded of these events that have occurred. Angels appear and give verbal instruction to people. 20, angels have the power to cause good and bad miracles to happen in the lives of people. So as God gives assignments and sends them, sometimes the assignment is to kill people. Sometimes the assignment is to cause a storm. Sometimes the assignment is to cause an earthquake, as well as things that are good. Genesis 19.10, the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. They struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness. That is, these angels that appeared that Lot thought initially were people, both small and great, so that they worried themselves trying to find the doorway. I mean, that is amazing to me that they continued to try to get in after they were struck blind. Like, these must have been ultimate stupid people. But uh, then the two men said to Lot, you, who else have you here, a son-in-law and your sons and your daughters and whomever you have in the city? Bring them out of the place, for we are about to destroy this place because their outcry has become so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. The Lord has sent us angels to destroy this place. Second Chronicles 32, 21, the Lord sent an angel who destroyed every mighty warrior, commander, and officer in the camp of the king of Assyria, so he returned in shame to his own land, and when he had entered the temple of his God, some of his own children killed him there with a the sword. So the angel was sent by God, and he killed the army of the Assyrians. Psalm 78, 49, he sent upon them his burning anger, fury, and indignation and trouble, a band of destroying angels. And you wouldn't want to meet those guys, would you? A band of destroying angels. He leveled a path for his anger. He did not spare their soul from death. He gave over their life to the plague and, some, and smote all the firstborn of Egypt. So the ten plagues of Egypt were caused by these angels. Revelation 9.15, the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released so that they would kill a third of mankind. These are the angels of God. 21, worship angels is strictly forbidden by God. Worship of angels is strictly forbidden by God. They are supernatural, they are powerful, they can do incredible things, but we're not to worship them. They're created by God, they are his servants, and in fact, someday we will judge angels, Jesus said. Colossians 2.18, let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of the angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. Revelation 22, 8, I, John, am, am the one who heard and saw these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. But he said to me, do not do that. I'm a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who heed the words of this book. Worship God. Worship God. 22, we shift gears here. Lucifer was the highest and most powerful of the created angels of God. Angels have rank, have power. And of all the angels that were initially created by God, he was number one. And it was that rank that uh, prompted, caused the pride that he rebelled against God. Ezekiel 28, Son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, 
this is talking about Lucifer, uh, people uh, will ask me occasionally, uh, how does the devil function now? And I say, most often it appears like he is actually inside a person, usually a ruler, a king, and always wicked and evil. And so at this point, the devil is called the king of Tyre. Uh, Tyre was a nation, and uh, the king was wicked and evil. Thus says the Lord God, you had the seal of perfection. Now we're talking about Lucifer, the devil. You had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the ruby, the topaz, the diamond, the biral, the onyx, and the jasper, the lapis, the luzi, the turquoise, the emerald, the gold, the workmanship of your settings and sockets was in you. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways. You were blameless in your ways from the day that you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. By the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God. <clears throat> And I've destroyed you, O covering chair, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see you. And so he was kicked out of heaven, as it were. Number 23, Lucifer rebelled against God because of his pride and is now called the devil and Satan. It's also called the adversary, uh, the tempter, and a variety of other names. So again, remember, this is not an oops. This is not a uh. This is designed by sovereign almighty God from the very beginning. Isaiah 14, 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit, to the lowest part in the pit. 24, when he rebelled, he convinced one-third of the angels of God to rebel with him, who are, not, who are now called demons. <clears throat> so it's a... Kind of an encouraging thing. We've got the kingdom of darkness, the demons, the Satan that are creating all kinds of havoc and sin and chaos on the planet Earth, but they're outnumbered two to one. And in fact, when the devil is eventually thrown into the lake of fire, it only takes one angel to do it. Uh, probably Michael grabs him by the scuff of the neck and pitches him in there. Stay in there, you good for nothing. Don't come out. <clears throat> Number 24, oh, I gave you that one. Revelations 12, 3. Then another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his, horns, and on his heads were seven diadems, and, on his tail, and his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child, speaking of Jesus. And so he's also called the great dragon, um, the destroyer of the world, his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven, probably speaking of angels. 25, the demons of Satan are now restricting and fighting against the angels of God, resisting. 
demons, the demons of Satan are now resisting, fighting against the angels of God. So this war, and we talk about uh, spiritual conflict, uh, is happening right over our heads, as it were. An invisible war that we can't see, but the winner of the war that's happening over our heads controls the affairs of mankind. Revelations 12, 7. This is sort of the end of the story, as it were. The war is going on continually. There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels waged war. Ongoing war taking place. By the way, you understand the word heaven. Um, there's the heaven that's right over us, and then there's the heaven that you would call outer space, and then there's the heaven that would be the home of God, the third heaven, Paul called it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And so there's the first heaven, the second heaven, the third heaven. The first heaven is our atmosphere, the air over our heads. Second heaven is where Pluto is, and the stars and the galaxies, and then the third would be the throne of God is located in heaven. And so these, uh, this war taking place, the, Michael and his angels wage war with the dragon, a war in heaven. That's not in the third heaven, uh, not in the second heaven, it's this heaven right here over the affairs of mankind. Daniel 10, 20, then he said, do you understand why I have come to you? This is a conversation between Daniel and an angel. I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia. Prince of Persia was a high-ranking demon over the country of Persia. So I'm going forth, and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. And another big demon is going to join him. However, I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of truth, yet there is no one who stands firmly with me against these forces except Michael, your prince. So Gabriel's talking here. I'm going to head back, and I'm going to have to fight against the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece, and Michael will help me out a bit as we war. 26, Satan and his demons have a great deal of influence and power in this world. Satan and his demons influence every place. That's why there's so much evil and sin in our world. They probably influence and control most of the education, most of government, lots of industry. They're just involved in about everything. Luke 4, 5 he, the devil, Satan, led him, Jesus, up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world. This is when he's tempting Jesus. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory. It has been handed over to me. I give it to whomever I wish. Now, Jesus didn't debate that point with him. He simply said, worship the Lord and him alone. With this temptation. But the statement... I'll give you all these kingdoms, all this glory. It's been given to me, handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. And so he's in charge of a lot. If you watch the news now, anything political, you can guess that on your own. You don't even have to read it here. Second Timothy 2.26, And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. That's lost people. They're held captive by him to do his will. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, in whose case the God of this world, that's little g, God, Satan, 
uh, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God, the God of this world, the devil has blinded the minds of every lost person so the gospel makes no sense to them. And uh, the only thing that will change that is if Jesus does what he did when he was here in the flesh. He gives sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf. And he gives spiritual sight to those who are spiritually blind. And he does that when we pray uh, for lost people. Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Schemes, I mean, he has plans and plots. He figures out what he can do. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against each other people that we can see, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Our struggle is against these evil demons that are everywhere all around us. 27, Satan is a finite being. He has limited power. He is not omnipresent. God is omnipresent. Nothing else is. The devil is a created being. He's finite. He can only be in one place at one time. Probably, when we get to heaven and find out how things work, probably none of us have ever seen the devil. Probably none of us have ever been seen by him. I think he probably stays in a place, whether he travels or not, I don't know that for sure. Book of Job, he did go up and walk around heaven, and God had a conversation with him. But he's one place at one time. Now, for the sake of efficiency, I think he probably stays with the throne of Satan. Uh, the church uh, in uh, Revelations 3 talks about place where Satan dwelled or where his throne was and so there's a place and he hangs out and he directs his demons all over the world from that place probably the Middle East and uh, uh, probably Iraq someplace like that um, 28 neither Satan nor his, or his demons can read our minds so they are good at reading body language and they hear us talk but they can't read our minds and so I hear people occasionally suggest that they can. Uh, there, there may be some instances, uh, it appears like people can be uh, uh, demon-possessed, and which the devil living inside of them, or demons living inside of them, have great control over them, and then will be able to control their thinking, put thoughts into their mind and their behavior. 1 Corinthians 2.11, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the Spirit of God. So, I don't know your thoughts, and most of us get pretty good at this age of thinking really rotten stuff and looking like an angel at the same time. So, I have no clue. You could be thinking awful thoughts, and you just look like the most holy person on the planet Earth. And uh, I learned to do that when I was about 12. <laughs> 29, Satan imitates God's organization of angels for his demons. There's ranks, hierarchies, angels over countries, over people. We have angel, excuse me, demons assigned to us. So I'll get to that next point. The devil, I don't think, has ever had an original thought in his existence. I don't know that, but that's my guess. And everything he does, he simply observes what God does and imitates it. Number 30, we each have demons assigned to us. The more influential we are, the more demons we have, and the more powerful they are. So you want to reduce the amount of spiritual warfare in your life? Don't do anything. Don't shake up the kingdom of darkness. Don't make a difference. Just leave, live a mediocre, uh, carnal life. 
and the devil isn't going to worry about you. You're not important. But you start moving, you start shaking, you start making a difference, you start starting ministry, you start witnessing. One of the things that's going to happen is you're going to start experiencing some temptations in your life. And I often will tell people to get baptized. You know, when Jesus was tempted by the devil, it was after he was baptized. I don't know how many people say, you know, man, I got so excited, I got baptized, and then huh, life just sort of fell apart. Well, plan on it. But you don't have to cave into it. I mean, if you see some dude coming before you with a knife, you're just going to stand there? Uh, and so our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against demons that are trying to take us down and destroy our life. 31, the ones winning the war over our heads determine to a great extent the outcome of the affairs and events of those living on this world. Wars being fought continually 24-7 over our heads and the demons win, the angels win back and forth and whoever is winning is determining what's happening here on this planet, on this earth. Exodus, you know this story. Moses said to Joshua, choose men for us and go out and fight against, the, uh, against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. And Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. Back and forth, back and forth, all day long. But Moses' hands were heavy. He got tired. Then they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and, and his people with the edge of the sword. So you're up on the hill, Moses, and they're fighting back and forth. The Amalekites are winning, the Jews are winning, and what determined that Moses' hands? What was that a picture of? Prayer. I read a liberal writer once who said, oh, it was sort of like a good coach. The, the warriors looked up and said, oh, yeah, Moses is cheering us on. Let's fight a little harder. They think, yeah, right. I mean, you think, what I believe takes faith, that takes, I mean, that's stupid. So, what was happening? It was a spiritual war being fought, and the winner of that war was dictated by what Moses did. And when the angels were winning, the Israelites were winning. When the demons were winning, the Amalekites were winning. You can tell who's winning the war over your head. Just look around and see what's going on. Uh, is righteousness prevailing or is evil prevailing? Number 32, when we pray, God commissions his angels to accomplish his will. So I like to know how things work. I have a mechanical mind. And uh, one of the things about prayer is we can simply look at prayer as, uh, please pass the potatoes. We make a request and God does it or he doesn't. Uh, just a simple uh, request, or we can look at it as considerably more complex than that. And so, when you look at what the Bible teaches, you'll see that when we pray, God, one of these angels says, Hey, go. And we keep praying, He sends another one. And 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 angels get their power and their strength from God. And we'll, I'll show that to you in a minute. Numbers chapter 20, verse 16. When he, we cried out to the Lord, he heard our voice and sent an angel. 
When we cried out to God, he heard our voice and sent an angel. There are dozens of verses that say that. Then when we cried out to him, when we prayed, when we lifted our voices, he sent an angel, Daniel 10, 11. He said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I am about to tell you and stand upright, for I have been sent to you. I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. Daniel prayed for three weeks concerning the nation of Israel. And Gabriel says, The moment you started, I was sent. I came in response to your words. Daniel 9.21, While I was still speaking in prayer, Daniel speaking here, Then the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision previously, came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. He gave me instruction, talked with me, and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you insight with understanding. At the beginning of your supplication... At the beginning of your supplication, the command was, get, it was issued, and I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Do you know what that means? Daniel was God's favorite. Somebody sent me a little thing in the email the other day. It's a picture of a T-shirt that says, God loves everybody, but I'm his favorite. I think I'm going to buy that one. I'll wear it when I preach. You're highly esteemed, so give heed to the message and gain understanding of the vision. So... Beginning of your supplication, the command was issued. When you started praying, the command was given. Acts chapter 10, verse 3, about the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come to him, and he said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze upon him and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. So Cornelius was a Jew, and he prayed, and God sent an angel. Acts 12, 7, Behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter's side and roused him, saying, Get up quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. The angel said to him, Gird yourself, put on your sandals, and he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you, follow me. And he went out, continued to follow. He did not know what that, the, the, that what was being done by an angel was real, thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened by, for them by itself, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him, and when Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. What were they praying for? Peter. He was in jail. Isaiah 37, 15, Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. Verse 21, Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent word to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, because you have prayed to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria. Then jumping to verse 36, Then the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. So Hezekiah prayed. God sent an angel and took care of the Assyrians. 33, when we pray, God energizes his angels to overcome all resistance to the accomplishment of God's will. So let me put it in a vernacular that I communicated to my kids. When we pray, God gives spinach to his angels. <laughs> he gives them strength, however he does that. So we pray once, one helping of spinach. We pray twice, Two helpings of spinach. We pray three times. Three help. The more we pray, the more energy is given. So, 
we have this concept, please pass the potatoes. But that's not how prayer works. Prayer works as a war, as a battle, as it were. We pray, one angel sent. We continue to pray, two angels are sent. We continue to pray, four angels are sent. We pray some more, five angels are sent. We pray some more, God energizes that angel, energizes that angel, energizes that angel. So they're more and they're more powerful. The more prayer is given, the more prayer is lifted up on behalf of whatever we're praying for. Daniel 10, 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. That was a long fight. Those dudes must be pretty strong. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the king of Persia. I wasn't doing so well, so God sent some reinforcements. Uh, Revelations 12, 7, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels waged war. They were not strong enough. They were not strong enough. That means the angels won, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. Psalms 35, 1, contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Psalms 35, 5, let them be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them on. Let the way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. Speaking of demons, 34, the failure to pray creates a spiritual energy crisis that allows the kingdom of evil to prevail in our world. So you want to know if there's enough prayer being offered up in our nation, on behalf of our nation, just look at what's going on. And so we like to blame the Democrats or the Republicans or this or that, whatever. The blame lands squarely on the church because we've been given the responsibility to be the salt and light of the world. We've been given the power, the authority as the church to pray. When you pray, even two or three, I'm there in your presence. When you pray and agree, then I work, I answer. But it's not this, please pass the potatoes kind of thing. It's not a simple prayer and a simple answer. It's a battle. It's a war that lasts. And so the key requirement in prayer is importunity. That is, we pray and we keep on praying. And we pray and we don't grow weary in asking. We labor in our praying. We pursue in our praying until we win the war. Moses his hands were up all day long. He needed some help, so people came and held his hands up with him. And uh, it wasn't just a simple, okay, we won. It was an enduring effort. His arms got weary, but he persevered, and by the end they had won the war. Uh, number 35, God created the devil to do exactly what he's doing. He wasn't an oops in God's plans. Thirty-six, God knew that we needed an adversary to fight and resist in order to grow our character to be like his. So we need to have this attitude of, I don't like to lose. And I don't want to be a victim. And I have power. The problem is, is it doesn't work just me. It doesn't work just you. We are the army of God, the church, and it's when we pray together, when we agree together, when we persevere together, that the war is won over our heads and we begin to push back in the kingdom of darkness and they're bound and people are set free and released from the control of the evil one because we persevere in praying. 
and we give time to it and we give effort to it and it's not, it's not leftover convenient time that costs us nothing. It's not the kind of praying where we are just praying for our comfort, that God would make life easy. But we understand that we're soldiers warring against the kingdom of darkness and the, to the degree that we fight and war faithfully, sacrificially, to that degree we will win the war and the demons will be bound and people's lives will be changed. 1 Peter 5, 8, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world after you have suffered for a little while. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And then you get to go to heaven. But you're here, so... Um, recognize what your purpose is and your calling is, is to be a soldier of Christ and to win the war and to push back the darkness. 37, the end of the story, the devil loses. The devil loses. And uh, personally, I want to be a reason why. Revelation 20.10, the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. The devil and his demons are thrown in the lake of fire. They're tormented forever and ever. Now, between now and the end of the story, the war is going on. And uh, he's becoming increasingly more frantic, wanting. He's like a, a, a boxer who is one round left, and on the scorecard, he's losing. The only way to win is by knockout. And he is going to take every risk in order to win the fight. And that's where the devil is now. He has great fury, and he is pouring everything into winning the war. And our defense is prayer. And when we pray, God sends angels. When we pray, he energizes angels. When we think, ah, I'm too tired to pray. It takes too much time to pray. I'm too busy to pray. Ah, Brandon can pray. He doesn't need everybody to pray. It's just an issue of uh, the more you have praying and the more they pray, the more the kingdom of darkness is pushed back. It's not a please pass the potatoes. It's a war being won on a daily basis. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the authority that we have as the church, the bride of Christ. Thank you for the, uh, what we can accomplish as a church as we agree together, as we pray together, as we pray persistently with importunity, as we intercede for people around us that are lost. Uh, you've given us this authority as your church. We are the ones ruling and reigning with you now, Lord Jesus, seated at your right hand, as it were, on a throne, exercising authority. And I pray that we wouldn't be negligent to this authority, that, Lord, we wouldn't just think that you're going to do whatever and that whatever is going to... You've given us this task, this responsibility of warring and fighting and resisting. And when we do, it makes a difference in the lives of other people that don't know you. It makes a difference in our lives as we grow. We love you. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.